It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Vegas has set the Reds' win total over-under, and there's one simple reason why the Reds will hit the over yet again. I'll tell you why on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr. I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan that has turned an addiction into information for you heading into my sixth season hosting this podcast, at least as a solo host or a co-host in some fashion. Locked On Reds is, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every single day, your Reds every single day, bringing you all of the Reds information compiled from the interwebs and watching all the games and getting all the news and all that stuff and bringing you right here every single day. Coming up on today's Lockdown Reds podcast, we are 78 days away from opening day, and uh, there is one player who shows the evolution of this roster. We talked about uh, buying or selling performances on the last episode, but there are two players whose small sample size made me want to see a little bit more before I get excited. And uh, But what we will do to start is uh, with the first iteration of win totals from Vegas. Uh, and, and the Reds, uh, Vegas thinks highly of them. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to let you know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. And where we will get started today is, like I said, Vegas has the win total over under out for the Reds, and and uh, they they like this Reds team because a year ago, uh, the Reds preseason win total over under was set at sixty five and a half. Of course, they crushed that; they won eighty two games this year. That's where Vegas has them. They have them starting out at eighty two and a half on the over under. And I kind of think that there's a simple reason as to why they're going to hit the over. Now, of course, Steve and I will talk about this quite a bit as we move into spring training and through spring training as to how this team looks, how it stacks up, and why the over is a good idea to hit. If you go over to FanDuel and you you place a $5 bet there, I'm saying put it on the over for 82 and a half. And I think that we can start first and foremost with a very simple reason as to why. The last season, consider this. The Reds began the season in a very wayward fashion. They were not trying to win. The Reds really didn't have a goal. And and, and if you were to ask them what their goals were, it was to find the core of the team. It was to figure out who's going to be here in the long haul, who they can count on, things like that. The wins and losses were kind of secondary. Where those landed, you know, how many wins they got, how many losses, I don't think that was as big a deal. And it shows in some of the players that got significant playing time. Think about how different the roster looked in April. You had Luis Sessa getting five starts in the month of April. And in those five starts, by the way, he threw 21 and a third innings. He gave up 23 runs in those 21 and a third innings. You had three starts from Connor Overton. He gave up 14 runs in 11 innings. 
there were three games in the month of April that ended with position players pitching, which always means that the Reds are so far out of it that they don't want to hurt any pitchers to end the game, so they just throw a position player out there. You had two appearances by Jason Vossler and one by Luke Maley on the mound in the month of April. That's just on the pitching side. Look at the lineup. The lineup included 22 starts from Jose Barrero, 22 starts from Will Myers, 16 starts from Kevin Newman, 15 starts from Jason Vossler, and 13 from Stuart Fairchild. None of those players had a better batting average than 230. And none of them had a better slugging percentage than 391. So you got a lot of playing time from some light-hitting, dare I say, automatic out players. And Will Myers, Jose Barrero didn't last much longer on the roster past the month of April. Jason Vossler, of course, just had that meteoric first week of the season and then stopped hitting the ball altogether. And, you know, Stuart Fairchild is is a nice depth piece in the outfield, but even in, during his month of uh, April, wasn't good. He hit 219. Slugged 391. He was the, the top end of that slugging percentage, by the way. That tells you anything about those four guys, or five guys, right? Five, yeah, five guys. Just two of those players even have a shot at being on the roster and getting playing time this year. Fairchild and Jose Barrero. And Jose Barrero is really the only one who has a real shot of making the opening day roster. And that's as the last guy on the bench. The Reds are not going to be giving playing time away to guys who don't factor into the future. April, it was kind of a get-me-there month, right? Last April, 2023, the Reds knew they had guys like Ellie De La Cruz, they had guys like Matt McClain, CES, Noel V. Marte that were getting ready, that were close to being up, but they weren't quite there yet. So they're playing these guys like Will Myers, and they were hoping that Will Myers went off and they could trade him at the deadline and get something for him. He never did. He had the weird distinction of having a very high batting average on balls in play and a very low batting average. Because usually if you have a very high batting average on balls in play, you got a high batting average, and that's just not what happened to him. It was, he, it was bizarrely a weird performance for Will Myers as a Cincinnati Red. And also think of this, uh, you know, Luke Weaver, got going. Remember Luke Weaver actually began the season on the injured list. And whenever he came back, there were some that were just like, all right, here we go. Let's see what we got from Luke Weaver. The dream Weaver experience began in April with two very bleh, starts, including one in Pittsburgh. Because if you look at last year as a whole, 82 wins that the Reds had, the Diamondbacks and the Marlins both made the playoffs with 84 wins. The Reds just needed to be two wins better. Really three, two or three wins could have made them a playoff team. And you can look at the month of April and be like, that's probably where they got their two or three more wins. Think about this. Toward the end of the month, it was was like, you know, the middle end or whatever. They got swept in four games in Pittsburgh by the Pirates. The Pirates were insanely hot during the month of April and then just figured that was all they needed to do and didn't play the rest of the season. But they were swept in four games at Pittsburgh. And in two of those four games, Luke Weaver and Luis Sessa made starts. This starting rotation is going to be so much better this year simply because they don't have to give that many starts to Luis Sessa or Luke Weaver. And if you look at that, 
just by default, you figure probably they have a better shot to win those two games. They're right at 84 wins. They're probably a playoff team. And that's all because this year they're not trying to punt the month of April. This year they're not trying to punt any month. They've got a good roster that they can play 162 games in a competitive winning manner. And they're definitely going to win more than 82 and a half games. And the reason for that is because they're not going to just completely forget about the first month of the season like they did last year. And again, the goals were different. The goalposts were in a different spot. Now the goal is to win. And whether or not, you know, we, we can have that debate of, oh, you should, always, you should always be trying to win and things like that. The roster that the Reds put together to begin that season last year was not a team that was trying to win. Now they are. Now they're going to be better. They're going to hit the over, 82 and a half. Right now I'm thinking like 85 wins, and it kind of depends a little bit on some of the gambles that uh, Nick Crawl made that it could be higher than that. But I think that 85 wins is where I have the Reds right now. And I think that 82 and a half, that's an over. That's an over. You know, uh, yesterday, Steve and I talked about uh, small sample sizes and who we buy and who we sell and things like that. There are a couple of players, though, that based on their small sample size, I saw something, but I want to see more. I want to tell you who those players are coming up right after this. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about our sponsor, or one of our sponsors for today, and that's Jace Medical. Look, I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life. We, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for tough situations? Whether you're on an extended travel, bracing for a major weather event like, you know, bomb cyclones and things like that that we keep hearing about coming up here pretty soon, um, or you just are limited by another supply shortage, you are covered thanks to our friends at Jace Medical. Jace Medical offers life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications that can be ordered in a one-year supply, even ED generics like Viagra or Cialis. Jace Medical has the Jace case. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use the promo code Locked On to get $20 off your order. Again, that's jasemedical.com and the promo code Locked On. Thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every single day. If you're an everydayer, shout out to you. You are what makes this go. You're what makes the the Lockdown Reds machine tick. And if you're not an everydayer, make sure you become one. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us here on YouTube. Click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. And by the way, everydayers, coming up on Friday, we have another Aloha Friday edition of the podcast. 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Friday afternoon. Make sure you join us for a live Q&A session. We'll talk Reds. We'll talk about, you know, the are they done? Are they really done? Or is there more to be had? What can we expect from the rest of this offseason from a transaction perspective? And we'll keep looking toward performances that we want to see from everyday players. 
And before we get into a couple of guys that I want to see more of based on their small sample size performance, I wanted to remind you that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, there are a couple of small samples. We, we talked about buy and sell and things like that. There's a couple that I want to wait on, though. A couple of guys who the performances that they had leave me wanting a little bit more. And I'm actually going to start with a guy that we bought yesterday. And it was more of a guy, I, you know, it was, it was Steve's pick. And it's a guy that I'm very impressed with, but I want to hold for just a brief moment. He's got to show me a little bit more, and that's Matt McClain. I love Matt McClain. I, I think that the talent that he showed last year was phenomenal. I love his demeanor. Easy leader. Easy guy that you could see leading this franchise for years to come. But there's something about his performance that had me a little bit concerned. Because I was looking at a few things, and number one, I mean, I mean when you look at these few things, you say, okay, maybe he was getting a little bit lucky. I know, I know, I know. That, that sounds like sacrilegious here, right? Matt McClain's always going to hit 300 and slug 500. And we're all going to be happy, prosperous, things like that. And I'm supposed to be the optimistic one, but I'm kind of looking at Matt McClain from a little bit more of a realism eye. Because according to Baseball Savant, there are a couple of numbers that say he was getting lucky. His average exit velocity for starters. You know, we, we always talk about average exit velocity. It's the quality of contact off the bat. How hard is he hitting the ball? He was right there at league average. He wasn't overly crazy. Like, you saw some high numbers from Ellie De La Cruz, some high numbers from Will Benson, some high numbers from Christian Encarnacion Strand. Matt McClain wasn't quite there. And because of that, the, the whole quality of contact and things like that, talking about hard hit rate or hard hit percentage, sweet spot percentage, things like that, numbers that they compile together and they turn them into expected numbers. So he hit 298, but according to Baseball Savant, his expected batting average was much lower at 256. That says that he was getting pretty lucky. I mean, you're talking about almost a 50-point difference there. And then you even add in the fact that his expected slugging percentage was supposed to be 436 instead of 507. That's a huge gap. 71 points? So, and, and look, that's not the end-all, be-all. That's not saying that's what he's going to hit this year. He might be better than that, but it gives me pause. He also strike out higher than league average, higher than the league average hitter, and he walked less than the average hitter. Those are numbers that need to change a little bit, and they, they were pretty good during his minor league career, so I think they will. And Matt McLean is a smart player who is constantly working on his craft. I have no doubt that he will make the necessary adjustments, but that's not to say that what we saw from the 298 and 507, you know, 298 batting average, 507 slugging percentage should be taken as gospel. I think there's still a little bit more to see from the guy who deserves the C on his chest. Another guy that I want to see more of is Brandon Williamson. Brandon Williamson showed flashes of greatness, but what is he for the Reds in the long term? 
Steve and I have had this discussion on air, off air, multiple times about do we think that Brandon Williamson ends up in the bullpen? It's still hard to say. I mean, one season, I'm not going to say that. I do want to see more of him in the rotation. But the reason that I hold on his performances is that basically everything, when it comes to you know the quality of contact he allowed, uh, his ability to miss bats, all of that was low. All of that was lower than league average, much lower than league average on the case of missing bats and things like that. And then when you break down the 23 starts that he had, 11 of those 23 starts were five innings or less. And he even had starts into September that he was being taken out, you know, four innings in, four and a third innings in, you know, just because he had already pitched two turns through the opposing lineup. So if the, if, if, if David Bell and, and it's not just David Bell, it's not as David Bell is acting independent from the organization. If the organizational thought on Brandon Williamson was even in the month of September, after he had had 16, 17, 18, 19 starts under his belt, he still couldn't go past the second turn in the order. That means that I'm not the only one that needs to see a little bit more from Brandon Williamson. And he has some nice stuff, solid numbers, not spectacular when it comes to his fastball and his off-speed stuff. And if he can rein in his breaking pitch a little bit more, maybe turn it into what Nick Lodolo does and, you know, break to the back foot, he could really become a very good starter. It would surprise you to know, because it kind of surprised me to know, that he had the second most starts on the team next to Graham Ashcraft. But I still feel like, even toward the end of the season, we weren't seeing that, you know, breakthrough. He had some nice innings, but relief pitchers have nice innings. Starters have nice starts. In fact, I remember more that amazing start that Connor Phillips had, more so than I remember there, there were a couple of six and two-thirds innings outings that Brandon Williams had had. I, I, I think that there's more to be had here. He's got a lot of talent. He was a highly rated pitching prospect in the Mariners organization. There's a reason that he was the target for the Reds trade. I just don't know that I know what I don't know, if you follow that, uh, when it comes to Brandon Williamson. I think that there's more to be had here. And I still kind of fall on, like, if everyone's healthy, if the rotation performs the way that I think it will in spring training, we're going to see him not be one of the top five guys on opening day. So I think that they start him in AAA. I don't see him, and I know Steve has kind of talked about this a little bit, I don't see him moving to the bullpen. I think the, you know, because Nick Cross said there might be some starters who move to the bullpen. I think he's referring to Nick Martinez. And honestly, that might increase the value of that signing if you're talking about him going between the bullpen and the rotation. But I still think that Brandon Williamson, in his sample size that he showed in 2023, was impressive, but I need to see more. Pitching is such a difficult thing, especially when it comes to small sample sizes. I mean, you can think of a number of different things. Like, one of my favorite things to look at is Buck Farmer's year last year. If you take his month of May, you're, you're talking about him as one of the best relief pitchers on the team. But if you look at the rest of the season, not so much. He's still a middle relief guy. Still a pretty solid option out of the bullpen, but he's not near as good as he was in the month of May. In the month of May, he had an ERA below three. Every other month, it was right around four. 
So it just kind of shows you there there are small samples, and especially with starting pitchers, where you can hit a couple of really good starts. An even better example, and this would have been better than Buck Farmer, is Graham Ashcraft. Graham Ashcraft during the month of April had a 2.1 ERA in four starts. You remember then he went on this streak of like five or six starts where he couldn't find the strike zone. And he had an ERA, I think it was over 12. Now, he is a much better pitcher than that. Is he as good as a pitcher with a 2.1 ERA? Probably not. It's somewhere in the middle. But when it comes to the sample size of a pitcher, you've really got to see a much larger sample, probably more than even one full season. Because there's plenty of guys that you can look at and you say, well, he had a 30-start season. He was getting Cy Young votes. That's who he is. But then he has a couple of other seasons that he's, he's dealing with injuries or he's ineffective or whatever. So there's, there's a lot that you need to take into account when it comes to a pitcher. And I think that's really where I come from. When I look at Brandon Williamson, I say, man, I'm excited about what I saw. But before I get excited about his future possibilities, I got to see more. I got to see more from Brandon Williamson. You know, we are 78 days away from opening day. We're doing a little countdown here, looking at numbers and player numbers and things like that. And uh, there's a player who shows how far the roster has come as we head into 2024. I'll tell you who that is coming up next. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about another one of today's sponsors, and that is FanDuel. You know, the NFL regular season, it's it's over. We're going into the playoffs now. It's wild card weekend, and the NFL playoffs are one of the best times to join FanDuel. Check it out today at FanDuel.com. There's a lot of great promo offers, whether you are a returning user, continuing user of FanDuel, or a new user. New users get this great deal where you bet $5, you win $150 in bonus bets, period. Win or lose. Go to FanDuel.com slash on today and sign up there's so many great ways to get in on the action we're talking about point spreads money lines over-unders talked about the the over-under on the win total for the reds being at 82 and a half the reds still are at 450 plus 450 to win the division they still have the cardinals favored then the brewers then the cubs then the reds i don't really understand how that works they're better than them the Cubs might make a few moves and be up top. But I think here's the thing, too. When you look at sports wagering on FanDuel and stuff like that, the the lines move based on who is wagering and how much is wagered on. So far, people haven't jumped on the Reds. You definitely should at plus 450 over on FanDuel. Again, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today and take advantage of that promo offer. Bet five and get $150 in bonus bets back. Guaranteed. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and the official sports book of Locked On. You can follow the show in between episodes, whether you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs, you follow Steve on Twitter at S. Offenbaker with two Fs, or you can follow the show. You can also join the Locked On Reds Discord page. We've got a link in today's episode description. We welcome you to join and talk Reds with us all year long, even in between episodes. And bookmark insidethereds.com. I'm talking about the Reds in written form over there, as well as Steve and James Rapine from Lockdown Bengals and uh, ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW, uh, as, as well as Adi Elmore and Rick Uccino. It's like, you know, the all-star team, no one ever thought they knew. It's all over at InsideTheReds.com. All right, we're counting down to opening day. There's 78 days left. 
as of today, Wednesday, January 10th. And looking at the best players in Reds history to wear number 78, yeah, I mean, I'm just kidding. The Reds have never had anyone wear number 78 until last year. Alan Businitz. Yeah, that's right. He's the only uh, Cincinnati Reds player to ever wear the number 78 in franchise history. Now, you know, Alan, he, he pitched in six games last year, only allowed two runs on eight hits with five strikeouts. But no one's really going to be like, yeah, I remember Alan Businitz. And the reason for that is he was just one of many non-roster additions that the Reds have made over the last few years. In fact, I think it shows the growth of this roster. It shows the growth of where the Reds are. It shows the growth of expectations surrounding this franchise that the Reds cut him off the 40-man roster. He's no longer with the Reds on the 40-man roster. I think he's, I think he's in the organization. He's just not on the 40-man. But... It shows the growth that the Reds now build their bullpen with major league talent this year. It's a big change from the past couple of seasons. Think about all the guys that we've seen pitch. I mean, Buck Farmer, waiver claim. Ian Jabot, waiver claim. Uh, Alexis Diaz was a call-up. Lucas Sims was legit. We acquired The Reds acquired him from the Atlanta Braves. But so many guys have just been fines, Right? Like you go into a, a, a local antique store, not even an antique store, the local discount store. That's, that's how the Reds have shopped for relief pitching the last few years. And the reason behind that is if a, if a front office does not believe that the, the team has enough talent to truly compete for a playoff spot, then they're not going to use money on the bullpen because the bullpen is not part of the core of your team. Maybe you can argue and say that the closer is, that your best relief pitcher is, but not the group. That's why one of the first players to get traded on a rebuilding team is the closer. There's a lot of rumors coming out of Boston that they might trade Kenley Jansen. The reason for that, they don't believe that they can contend with the top of the AL East this year. You don't invest a lot of bucks. You might invest a couple of bucks. Like Think about before the 2019 season, the Reds invested in Jared Hughes and in David Hernandez. But they didn't invest huge bucks in those guys. You don't invest a lot of money in your bullpen unless you really think you can do it. And the Reds have done that this offseason. The fact that Alan Boosinitz pitched last year, not a great amount, just a few games, handful of games. But the fact that the Reds were like, yeah, we're good. We can move on from him just shows the growth and how this team has evolved over the last few years. I saw a comment the other day in our comment section, which by the way, shout out to those of you who, who do comment and stuff like that. I try to read as much as I can. Some of you got some crazy ideas out there, but this, this one was pretty decent. He, he was talking about, you know, everybody's talking about how excited they are for this year and, and the commenter, and I should have grabbed the comment, but the commenter asked the question, Am I the only one that was really excited for 2021? That was another year where the Reds decided that they built the bullpen through waiver claims and and non-roster invitees. You can usually tell, and and, and, and 99% of the time, if the general manager or the president of baseball ops, whatever his title is, gets in front of a microphone, he's going to tell you he thinks his team can, can go all the way. Because there's not a front office executive out there that is going to get on the 
get on a microphone and say, we're going to be terrible this year. They want to sell tickets. That's the name of the game. But there's a way you can tell how much a team believes in itself, and that's how much it invests in its bullpen. The Reds have invested a decent amount. Now, we can you know argue as to the merits of Emilio Pagan, Buck Farmer, and Nick Martinez, but they put money in the pen. Last year, how much money did they put in the pen? How much? Just about everybody was on league minimum deals. I think Buck Farmer might have been slightly above league minimum, but even then, you weren't talking about the guys you're talking about this year. Pagan and, and, and if Nick Martinez starts out in the bullpen like I think he will, will definitely be the highest paid pitchers in the bullpen. Then you have Buck Farmer, who's got a nice little chunk of change here, two and a half million, or two point two five million, sorry. But the point of this the, the point of this is with seventy eight days till opening day, and the number seventy eight being Alan Boosinus number from last year, it just goes to show you. The Reds are no longer leaning on. There might be guys like Alan Boosinitz that pitch one or two games this year, but they're not leaned on. The Reds are not betting on waiver wire additions and non-roster invitees to, to take the reins and run the bullpen. They're investing in it, which just shows how good they're expecting to be. And that is where we will end today's podcast. Thank you so much for checking out today's Lockdown Reds podcast. Steve will be back with me for Aloha Friday. Make sure you're back, too. As we uh, we talk about the Reds on a live show, the live Aloha edition of the podcast, be talking about are the Reds done? What could we see them do, if anything else? And then look forward to some performances for the 2024 season. But until then, you can bet that we will be locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.